Welcome to another episode of Two Ryan Crew. I'm Ryan Fused. And I'm Ryan Barnett. And today we're looking at the PlayStation 2 rail shooter, Res. Star Fox on Acid. Afterburner on LSD. That's, that's the same thing. Your favorite shooter on drugs. That's better. <laughs> and not totally inaccurate either. So let's get right into it, I suppose. Yeah, let's just get right in. Here we go. So last week, we talked about uh, Battle for Westenhoff. Yep, fun game, good Which game. I enjoyed, yeah, we talked about that. And the thing about it, though, is it's a game that you were really good at, a game that you really got into, that I was mostly unfamiliar with. The strategy... It was not so far up your alley, yeah. Right, the strategy genre kind of escapes me, for the most part. That's perfectly fine. And so we went and tried something that uh, you feel is a classic that I had never played before. Right, exactly. Something that isn't necessarily up your alley. And we're talking about the music action game Res. Yes. And uh, you say music action game... But it's not truly a music game, and that's what put me off for so many years, is that description. Yeah, I'm not a fan of music games, like Guitar Hero-style games, but this was not like that at all. Right, it's not necessarily a Dance Dance Revolution, Beat Mania kind of game where you have to hit everything in time with the music. It's more, the events of the game occur in time with the soundtrack, but the game plays much more uh, traditional. It's... A rail shooter where certain sounds and music effects link up with what you're doing. That's exactly. Not really a music game, but it was fun. I did enjoy it. It's a it's a good game. Definitely one of my favorites. And it was released originally in Japan for the Dreamcast and PS2 in 2001. And later on, next year in 2002, the other regions went ahead and got it. Wow, I'm, I'm way behind on this. I didn't play it until 2016. <laughs> I think I might have played it just a few years after it came out. Because I know shortly after we moved to Michigan, we uh, got the Dreamcast and then, well, I'll admit, burned a copy of Res. All right, let me... Let me fix that. Your family moved to Michigan, not me. I was already here. Well, right, you were already here. Me and my family, we moved here from yes. Texas, but that's yeah. neither here nor there at the Exactly. Moment. Now, the game itself was created by, uh, oh, let's try this, Tetsuya Mizuguchi. I, I think we did okay with that, yeah. Okay. Probably better than uh, Mr. Mikulski's <laughs> name from the Downfall episode. We are still so sorry. <laughs> so, yes, um, Tetsuya Mizuguchi, who prior to that had made Space Channel 5. Which, Which, that's what I knew him for. for. And it was a traditional music game, where you had to hit buttons in time with the rhythm. Yeah, I I wasn't a big fan of it, so... It's my guilty pleasure, that and the sequel. Now, he also made uh, Luminez for the PSP. Which... I actually enjoyed, despite my usual issues with music-based games. Well, it's the same thing with Res, where rhythm gaming isn't the core of it. Yeah, so it was fun. Yeah, Luminez is a puzzle game, where sound effects and all that happening time with the music. And then later on he worked on Child of Eden, which, uh... Also something I played at your suggestion and was terribly disappointed with. It was supposed to be the sequel to Res, but it... or spiritual successor, rather, and it really wasn't great, in my opinion. I played that game before Res, actually, and I... Uh, I don't know. I guess it's for the better, because now I'm not hoping to play like another <laughs> game like Res. Yeah, exactly. You had like, the reverse disappointment. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the game was later ported to the Xbox 360, and as of this recording, there's an upcoming PS4 and PSVR release. It's actually going to hit the shelves uh, October 13th, 2016. So yeah, just next month. So keep an eye out for it. I'm, I'm thinking as it gets to better and better hardware, it's going to be more enjoyable of a game. Probably. 
Not to say that the uh, Dreamcast version of it wasn't enjoyable. Oh, not at all. Yeah, the original version of the game is still great, but as it moves up in terms of the hardware generations, it really does improve on a few things. As for the original release on the PS2, uh, something that a lot of people like to talk about, and we'll go ahead and get this out of the way. Oh, uh, yeah, we have to. <laughs> just immediately. We have to mention it. Um, <laughs> the game did come with a USB vibrator. Yep. It's, um, well, that's, there's no way around it. It's a vibrator. Just straight up, it came with a USB vibrator. I, that's all we have to say. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of jokes you can make about this. It is what it is. We're going to take the higher ground on this. We're not going to talk about it too much. Yeah. But the whole thing was you plug it in and then it vibrates in sync with the music. Yeah, and you're supposed to just, like stick it under your couch cushion or something. That's what they officially say, yes. And I'm sure it wasn't always used that way, so... <laughs> No, the soundtrack itself was, uh, it's largely like your typical kind of trance music. A few tracks are maybe more house music, but it's very electronic. Yeah, and it fits the setting of the game, being that the whole story revolves around hacking into Yeah, computer hacking and all that. It it fits it really well. Also, it's worth mentioning there's almost no story at all. What I just said pretty much explains 90% of the game. It's entirely a sentient AI went crazy, hack the AI and save it. Yep, that's about right. As for the visual style, this game was actually inspired by art from the Russian painter uh, Vasily Kandinsky. Yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, I went and looked up some of his artwork after reading that, and it is very obvious how he influenced the game. It clearly shows, definitely. Yeah, some of his paintings look like they came right out of the game. <laughs> well, I actually, suppose it works in reverse. The game looks like it came right well, out of his paintings. Right, right. And actually, his name is mentioned in the credits. I can see why, Which, because it yeah, is a major very, influence. very similar. So, as we always do, we're going to break this into four categories. We're going to talk about story, graphics, sound, and gameplay. Well, we already covered the story. Story, we can already go ahead and get out of the way, because that's all there was to it. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot going on there. I don't even know if we can say that we spoiled this game when I make the liner notes. Okay, well, to be honest, just playing the game, I didn't understand what was going on besides you hack things. So... I didn't even realize there was more to the story until I read a Wikipedia <laughs> article about it. So, I, I guess that story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go. That quickest story segment ever. So, let's move on and talk about the graphics, which... Uh, uh, very, very reminiscent of Star Fox. The original Star Fox on the Super Nintendo. Wireframe, polygon style Definitely. Stuff. And I think that might be intentional, which I want to talk to you about later on in gameplay. Of course. I'm sure Star Fox will come again in comparison Yes, definitely. Here. But the one thing that I will mention on a technical aspect is... I mentioned that as you play it on later hardware generations, there's some things they beef up. And it's especially noticeable if you go from Dreamcast to PS2. Yeah. On the Dreamcast, the game only ran at 30 frames per second. Which, when you play that game initially, it's fine. But then when you play the PS2 version, which runs at a 60 frames per second, massive difference. Alright, let me, let me throw this out there. I've never cared that much about frame rate as long as it stays at a solid 30 or more. Oh, same here. Same here. But when you look at the two games, there's a noticeable I understand difference. there is a difference, but it's never been a thing that's ever bothered me anyways. I know it, some people get really anal oh, about frame rate. It never bothers me. I can gladly play either the Dreamcast or the PS2 version. But I do enjoy how smooth the PS2 and later versions of the game were. I say most of the games I grew up playing and all my favorites probably run right around 30. Exactly, right. But that's just a small technical mode. As for the graphics themselves, like you said, wireframe, polygons, just really... Makes you feel like you're inside the Matrix, so it's very, you know... You can tell you're supposed to be hacking something, I suppose. One thing that I always appreciated was the different levels that the... uh, I don't want to say main character even, but the main avatar 
the levels you can go through. You start out as like this kind of... Oh, you mean how you level up. Right. Your life bar right. and such, yeah. Yeah, you start off as this weird kind of like humanoid figure made of plates. You, know, you move on to be, being a wireframe, then you're filled out. You become Buddha at some point. I have reached enlightenment. <laughs> but if you were to level down, you eventually become the most primitive form of electronic music, the disco ball. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the graphics are all very trippy, very uh, artistic, really really well done for what they're trying to do. Yeah, it's a very artsy game. If you're looking for realism or anything like that, this is not where you would even begin to look. Oh, no, no, no. It's very um, avant-garde, maybe? Would that be the correct term? I think that would actually be a good way to describe it, yeah. It's and very pretty to look at, too. Oh, it's gorgeous. And each level has its own kind of color scheme, you know, like some one level's orange, oh, yeah, one I level's noticed green. Certain levels also incorporate, like, architecture into them. Like, one level has you going through vaguely ancient Egyptian-esque yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Pyramids and sphinxes, that kind of thing. Another one looks like it's kind of through, like, a Taj Mahal-style right. building. I know uh, the fourth level was uh, actually, like, modern architecture. And the fifth level was kind of the... I don't want to say bonus level, but the secret final level of the game. Well, that looks more like you're just like going over Earth itself. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it's a, it's a really clever concept. It's really well done. And just graphically, like you said, it's gorgeous to look at. Yep. Something that covers the uh, graphical portion of it. Oh, definitely. So music and sound. A core part of the game. Because every single thing you do is in time with music. And it's very noticeable. <laughs> Even if you were to press the fire button, if you press the fire button off time, there's a delay. Like, it makes sure that you're in time with the music. And it doesn't do it in a way that negatively affects gameplay either. No, I never noticed it. Yeah, you're never either. punished for being off time. But the actual sound that it makes might be delayed. Or the action itself. I so said, not that we really have any issues with that either, being musicians ourselves. Oh, right. But even if you just frantically mash the fire button, which at certain times you do. Really want to, yeah. <laughs> if you do that, you'll notice that the actual clapping sound every time that you fire. It'll delay it. It'll first, do it yeah. in time with the music, yeah. And like we said, this, the music is largely uh, electronic music, house and trance. There's a, The final level is actually a remix of the song Fear by Adam Freeland. And the music, it's good for what it is. It goes through, if you're a fan of that kind of music, you really enjoy it. And yeah. even if you're not, it fits well enough that it won't negatively impact your experience. It does the job. I know one of the first things that really uh, caught my attention was the very first level. The boss of it is, appropriately, a giant disco ball. Yes, yes it is. And as you chip its health away, at certain points it explodes and uh, screams. But the scream is just like a trance song vocal. <laughs> you know, I never noticed that. Yeah, so it's like, in key, it's, you know, it just sounds like it's part of the song. That probably is why I never noticed it. <laughs> a lot of really clever things like that happen. It sounds good. I mean, it, it's enjoyable to see how it, the rhythm syncs up with your actions. And eventually you get to a certain point where the gameplay, the graphics, the music, the sound, all of it's blending together, and it really creates a cool effect. I, words can't do it justice, in my opinion. It's a singular experience. Yeah. I don't even want to say that looking it up on YouTube is going to do it either. Like, you really do need to play this game to fully understand what I'm talking about. Not part of the joy of it's having the controller in your hands anyways. Exactly, because... Attachment aside, yes, the controller vibrates in time with the music. Yes, it does. And it, it helps. It adds another sense to the you know, different senses that this game engages, all in time with each other. It, uh, yeah, it covers most of your senses, actually. Aside from smell and taste, yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think I wanted to cover those anyway. No. <laughs> Maybe we'll make another attachment, like the vibrator that covers smell and taste, too. Oh. <laughs> you plug this part into your nose, this part goes into the uh, PS4. <laughs> oh. Into your nose, really? Yeah. 
You know, during the Taj Mahal section, it'll inject the smell of curry into your nostrils. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what they're working on for this upcoming release next month. So look forward to the upcoming uh, nostril attachment for the PSVR release of Res. Oh, yeah, it'll be in VR. Of course, it does need the uh, the smell attachment now. It does. <laughs> That being said, I really think VR is going to significantly boost. This is a game that is made for VR. Absolutely. Yes. Like, it's ahead of its time in that way. And I suspect it's probably going to do the Child of Eden thing where it goes first person. Oh, most likely. For the likely. sake of VR. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but uh, <laughs> I do believe that covers music and sound. So let's go to the real meat of this game, which is gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting, as you mentioned earlier, five levels. It is a very short game. In- incredibly short. Whenever I have the urge to replay it, all I do is set aside like an hour of my day. I mean, we actually went and played through all of it right after recording the previous episode of this. Yeah. And it only took like an hour max. It didn't take long at all. It's a very short game, but the the replayability comes in the natural desire to increase your score. There are a few unlockables. It's very get. arcadey in that sense. You want to get a high score. Extremely. Right? I think one of their big influences was the uh, earlier Sega game Space Harrier. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then, of course, as you mentioned, uh, Star Fox. And something you pointed out to me while you were playing it was the boss battles were directly taken from the Star oh, Fox Oh, yes, some of, some of the bosses are indeed direct rip-offs of bosses from well, both Star Fox and Star Fox let's 64. Let's not say rip-off. That's a bit harsh. Inspirations? It's the same exact <laughs> frame and attack patterns. I want to be nice to one of my favorite games. All right. There is a clear influence (laughs) from Star Fox. They paid homage to Star Fox. There you go, yeah. (laughs) So, as a Star Fox fan, I was pleasantly surprised when I quickly picked up onto the game, too. You adapted very quickly. Yeah, because I had expected something a lot more music-based, not quite so (laughs) rail-shooter-y. I did enjoy your uh, pleasant surprise at the fact that it wasn't a standard rhythm game. Because as we've covered before, you absolutely hate those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a fan, but Rez was good. And what I find funny is that you actually suggested Rez as a music game you might not enjoy as much. And you wound up really liking it. Oh, well, yeah. I, I tried it, and everything I had heard about it said otherwise that I wouldn't like it. So <laughs> It's a good, quick game. It's very enjoyable. So I put, I put it off for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is your run-of-the-mill on-rail shooter. You can... Uh, Lock onto targets to release your missiles. You have your standard uh, fire button. You know, you can get bombs. Controls are very limited. You have, uh, yeah, your laser lock-on thing. You have a bomb button. A bomb button, and that's it. Yeah, that's literally it. You control the camera. (laughs) Right. Yep, it's your analog stick to aim. It's your X button to fire, and your circle button to shoot the bomb. The game ramps up difficulty well, but quickly. Very quickly, yes. I I never felt over-challenged until the, the very very end of it so it was it, it ramped up enough that it wasn't frustrating me through the earlier levels of the game but by the end it was definitely hard it has a very good difficulty curve yeah it does and some of that might just be from my experience with other kind of real shooter games oh, like yeah. Star Fox yeah. but it it was very natural feeling yeah if you've ever played Star Fox uh, Space Harrier uh, Afterburner you'd be very familiar with what's going on in this game yeah and of course, there are a couple of uh, unlockables. There's the uh, there's the lost area, which is like a sixth area that you can get into. It's like an endless stage. Yeah, there's the endless stage with the uh, transmission. Which yeah, it, in transmission there was no penalty of death, nothing like that. You just play this trippy ass stage as long as you want, you know, for your drug use or for your vibrator use or that <laughs> or both at the same time. <laughs> 
So, so I guess to kind of go ahead and wrap this up, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot to really in-depth talk about. It's a very good, very enjoyable run-of-the-mill rail shooter with excellent graphics and excellent soundtrack, solid gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it's hampered by being so short, I guess. That would be Honestly, yeah. I could major have, flaw to it. It's too short. I would have actually taken, you know, five more areas. I think that would have been a good thing if the game had maybe doubled itself. Ten levels? Sure. When, and then the two unlockable ones? Yeah, that would have been great. I would have been perfectly happy with that. It's a game where I'm left wanting more. Which is a good thing, too. It's a very good thing. It's just a shame that the uh, spiritual successor sequel to it was so poor. <laughs> yeah, Child of Eden really had its problems. Yeah. But that being said, you know, uh, I highly recommend if you have a Dreamcast, a PS2, a 360, or soon, a PS4, check yeah, this game out. when it drops in October, it's definitely worth getting it and trying it out, if, especially if you haven't already done it. Because I'm sure people who already played it and loved it will get it anyways. Of course, of but, course. But like, if you're like me and, you know, you put it off for so long, heard about it, never really touched it, thought, nah, it doesn't sound that good, uh, I'd give it a chance. Definitely. And if you're curious about other works... From Q Entertainment. I'll look into Space Channel 5 or Luminous or, well, if you really want to, Child of Eden. Yeah. One thing that I will say, though, is very few games give me the opportunity to save Michael Jackson in a spacesuit who has been kidnapped by dancing aliens. It doesn't make Space Channel 5 good. It makes Space Channel 5 great. <laughs> Whatever you say. Also, not my game. <laughs> I like Rez and Luminez, but Space Channel 5 and Child of Eden were not for me. And actually, if you want to check out Luminous, any device you have has a port of it, I promise you. It's almost as crazy as Battle for Westnoth. Yeah, that's pretty widespread. See, so yeah, it's for PSP, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, uh, iOS. iOS, really? Yeah. Huh. There's a port of Luminous for damn near everything, so at the least check that out. So yeah, that was Rez, and I'm glad you got me to play it. It was overall a fun game, and I really enjoyed it because I felt it was like playing Star Fox more than anything else. (laughs) I'm glad that after a decade of knowing you, you finally broke down and played it. So, thanks once again for listening to another episode of Two Ryan Crew. Yeah, as always, we appreciate it. I mean, we don't have many listeners so far, but... Thank you, those of you that do listen. Absolutely. And hey, if you want to go ahead and do us a favor, why don't you go ahead and hop on iTunes, uh, subscribe to us, leave a review, you know, just mention how much you love us. Or hate us. (laughs) Well, if you hate us, don't leave a review. Send us hate mail. Make your negative opinions private. Make your positive opinions public. Hey, all publicity is good publicity. So if you want to go ahead and... Give us said publicity, like we said, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and if you don't like us whatsoever, why don't you go ahead and tell us? You can leave questions, comments, hate mail, dick pics, suggestions for other games that we can play. You can do all of that if you just email us at 2ryancrew at gmail.com. That's the number 2, ryancrew at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.